Welcome to the Rolling Stones Studs, a podcast about the baddest boys of the British invasion, hosted by your own bad boys. It's Pete. And it's PJ. And this is a Beach Boys Boys production. It is a Beach Boys Boys production, and don't you forget it. Don't you fucking forget it. I feel like, you know, to be honest, sometimes I forget that we're a Beach Boys Boys production because, PJ, it's night in, in the world of the Stones. It's 1974. Brian is not yet even back stateside. And uh, it just it feels like we couldn't be further away from the Beach Boys at this point. You make a good point. And, it, it, you know, within the last few weeks, it's been my finally forgetting the Beach Boys and accidentally saying the Beach Boys is what I mean, the Rolling Stones, and learning that there are two different Brian's within the bands. Um, that was yeah. confusing for a long time because every time you said Brian, I was thinking like, oh, what, what's 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 Brian Wilson doing over here? And you know, it yeah, it's only been since he's died that I realized that they're two separate people. I love that movie they made with. Um, Paul Dano and what's his name? John Cusack. Called The Two Bryans about Brian Wilson and Brian Jones. That was just such an excellent film of 60s rock history. You know? I agree. Both of them at the top of their game. Paul Dano. And it, what was crazy about it, I've never seen a movie where this happens before. But you have two actors playing two different people in two different time periods. So like you have Paul Dano as Brian Wilson in 1966 at the at the peak of his powers, PJ. Just a musical genius. And at the same time, you have Paul Dano playing Brian Jones <laughs> in 1966. Also at the peak of his musical powers uh, and doing a lot of acid, I assume. You know... And beating up his girlfriend. You're saying this idea out loud and we're both like laughing because yeah. it's outlandish. Does that not seem like a movie somebody would fucking make, though? I mean... They made it... Yeah, I'm not there, uh, or whatever the Bob Dylan one was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever that Beach Boys movie was called, Sound and Final or something? What was it called? I think... It's some... It's a Beach Boys song name, I feel like. It, Love and Mercy. Love That's and Mercy, yeah. Not a Beach Boys song name, but... Um, um, what was that fucking Bob Dylan movie called with Kate Blanchett? Oh, yeah, I'm not there, right? Isn't that? No. Something like that. No, I'm not there is the Joaquin Phoenix movie. <laughs> it's called I'm Not There. Yeah. Wait, really? What's the Joaquin Phoenix movie? Walk the then? Line? No, 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 no. The one where the document, the fake documentary oh, one. I'm Not Here? Yes, maybe. something. It's something very similar. I'm Still Here. Oh, okay. That's what it is. God, remember when people thought that was real? That was great. Yeah. <laughs> Classic fucking dummies thinking elaborate pranks are real what are they fucking classic stupid? dummies i mean if you're walking phoenix are you like bothered that it wasn't really obvious that that like because if you do that and i think their idea when they started was like it's so outlandish i think people yeah. were like yeah like people will realize this is fake but then once everyone just immediately is like, that seems like something this guy would do. Aren't you in your head a little bit like, oh, oh does it? Fuck you like, guys. Do yeah. I want that to be my reputation? Although I guess I feel like the reason it seems so plausible for him is just because he, I feel like he was really reclusive yeah. a lot. So anything seemed possible. Also, this he was just like, like, didn't have a, 
public persona to some degree. Yeah, and this was like before he was like way famous. Like right, right, the, the right. most yes. famous oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. movie he had, I think he had like two movies in the bank that were huge, which was Walk the Line and Gladiator. And yeah. then other than that, I don't think he had done much before that. No. Nothing and I, big. And it was also like several years after those came out where he was, it was before his kind of resurgence of late where he became a, a huge, at least indie movie star again. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing about Joaquin but. Phoenix is that he's been famous for a while now, and there are still some people who don't know how to pronounce the name Joaquin. Yeah. My favorite thing is when he also, with Casey Affleck, did a, fa- a, a mockumentary version of Walk the Line called Joaquin the Line. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the it was a mockumentary of the making of Walk the Line. It was really, it was a several levels deep, man. It was crazy. It was like that Jim Carrey documentary about him playing um... a, a fake... Uh, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> no, what the fuck was... Whatever that show is. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, unless Andy you're just Kaufman. making a joke. It's like that movie where oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's a documentary about Jim Carrey playing Joaquin... Uh, fuck it, not Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, let me let me take this line a third time, Pete. Jim Carrey as Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix. Rec- the making of... That's a... That's a... Um, like if you did that movie about the room, but then just added like another level of yes if you made a movie about the making of a movie about the making of a movie right you're holding <laughs> my brain dude um but the one is a mockumentary i would love to see uh like a biopic of let's say just somebody like Sure. A normal person. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Let's say Brian Jones. If only someone did a biopic. I would Brian love Jones. to see a biopic of Brian Jones, but then the casting is like Denzel Washington as Brian Jones. Yeah. I would watch It'd that. It'd be interesting. I mean, like we talked about a few weeks ago, apparently that's what that David Bowie movie was like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but not on purpose. <laughs> the problem. Yeah. The problem was just that they gave it to like a bad actor. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like a really good actor looks. I mean, that happens. Um, what um god damn it i feel like it's right in front of me uh like pretty famous more recent movie where they cast someone who looked nothing like them well i mean they do it all the time with movies about singers where they cast someone who looks like them but can't sing yeah which is pretty normal because then you just dub it or don't and then you know the movie fails or succeeds on or like that blaze foley movie that we watched together in theaters where uh that guy looks nothing like blaze foley and right 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 sounds nothing like blaze foley but is still good at music. Yeah. I feel like that one worked just because Blaze Foley's obscure, obscure enough. enough yeah. Where, like, I will admit that I think I went into that movie without knowing it was about a real guy. I just thought it was about, like, a singer-songwriter, but, like, a fictional one. Mm. And then, like, at some point during the movie was, like, put it together or whatever. You're like, oh, like, oh, Towns Van's like yeah 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 like this is about a real person got it okay because i was unaware of who blaze foley was yeah you're not into the old the whole outlaw country from the 70s thing no not after not after willie man you like clean cut willie though from like (laughs) the 60s you love a clean cut willie is there a clean cut willie there is a clean cut willie i do pj if we're talking about my downstairs situation it's a clean cut Willie. 
<laughs> you know, I meant that as like a a, a fresh trimmed bush, but then I realized uh, yeah. circumcision. Oh, is a I thing. mean, honestly, either way, <laughs> I realized while saying it that it could mean two different things are cut, and and you know what, cut it all. Yeah, <laughs> anything you can cut, do cut. I've actually never seen a uh, picture of Willie Nelson pre long hair, and he looks so different, legitimately like a completely different person. Yeah. Like he really doesn't. I mean, I know he's younger. Maybe or that's whatever, why he but... named the album "Redheaded Stranger." <laughs> I guess there's one from like the later '60s where he vaguely looks like himself, even though he still has like short hair and no facial hair. But oh wow, there's an intro. There's a picture of him since I was googling it from when is this from? Uh, real quick, I just want to say we talk about biopics so much on this podcast. We should start a podcast about biopics. Yeah, that's a good idea. Kenny, how do you search images? Um, here I'm I'm showing you this picture in our chat. It's Willie Nelson. It kind of it looks like it's from like the '90s or something, but with at least his hair in a ponytail potentially. And then, uh, how the fuck do I chat with you? And then uh, completely clean shaven, but like from later on in his life. And it's kind of wild, actually, because he does actually look like young Willie Nelson. Just it must be the beard, I guess, mostly. He does not have a beard in this picture. It's real weird. Yeah. Oh, but then it's like, when did when is I thought you were saying that he did have a beard. This one looks like it's from like the mid 80s. Maybe earlier. Yeah. 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 There, but there still, was a like, I've never seen him. Yeah. I don't think I have ever seen a picture of him without a beard until right now. So, right. It, or at least without, like, something going it, on facial hair wise. Definitely his whole thing is a ponytail and some sort of scraggly facial hair. So, yeah. Like, he usually at least has scruff happening. Yeah. So, um, interesting. Ah, oh, Willie. Never got into that guy. I'll be honest. I like. I like the occasional Willie Nelson tune, but I would not say I've ever felt the need to go further into the Willie Nelson world. Uh, next podcast. <laughs> you know what? Here's the problem with Willie Nelson for me. It's just a little too into pot. Yeah, you, it's just like you hate that. I sir. get that you like pot, but like you're a little too into pot, man. It's just like all those rappers. I was gonna say Seth Rogen, but yeah. <laughs> is this is this really early, Willie? It's from Shotgun Willie, which came out in '73. Oh, okay, not that. Anyway, that's just it, it's fine. It's just a you know a a a a, a taste a taste of our next podcast, the Willie Nelson. Nerds. nerds there you go just one little just one little hit a willy yeah you know yeah that's right just a little willy he has his own brand of marijuana you know of course he does he's he and tommy chong man were like the only two for years and then you know i can't think of anybody else who has one I mean, growing up, if you thought of like celebrities who were into pot, those are pretty much the only two. I feel like in the you know, nineties, two thousands. Yeah. Just because, since it wasn't legal, 
anywhere. It was kind of, you know, there wasn't hush, a lot hush. of reason to become like a celebrity. Celebrities. An illegal drug who into are into pot. Hot. I mean, I guess Seth Rogen, but I feel like he wasn't getting That's not that, like when like, we were kids, though. He like Yeah, that was like when we were teenagers or in college even. Yeah, well, Pineapple Express came out in 2008. Oh, Snoop Dogg, I guess. Makes sense. Oh, yeah, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> Number two on... <laughs> what list is this? Um, this list is called Celebrity Canapreneurs. 16 celebrities oh, cashing great. in on the Green Revolution. Okay. Number two on the list is yes, Snoop makes sense. Surprising. Okay. Not surprising. What's who's number one? Number one is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Okay, makes sense. Yes, yeah, Snoop. I forgot about Snoop Dogg, but you're right that he's a, a very famous uh, marijuana smoker. Number two, <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta go. Snoop Dogg's best friend, Martha Stewart. You're not far off. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh really? Oh really? I'm. I didn't. I mean, aside from the fact that everyone likes a little pot now and then, I had no idea Whoopi was so into Right. When I think of ganj. Whoopi Goldberg, I think of... When I think of marijuana, I do not think of Whoopi Goldberg. No, no. Okay, then we got Willie Nelson and Tommy Chong. Maybe we're just naive, though. Maybe she's. Maybe it's been right there in our face the whole time, man. She's been blowing the smoke in our face. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Ghostface Killa. Okay. Wiz Khalifa. Like you said, kind of anywhere. Yeah, I guess Wiz Khalifa again, like around mid two thousands. But right, but this was he when definitely we were like was like little, the most famous or one of the most famous rappers for being into weed for a yeah. while. Uh, Melissa Etheridge. What? Melissa Etheridge. That can't be real. <laughs> Isn't she like a country singer? Yep, is a Grammy winning American singer songwriter. And, and is that into weed to have her own? She had cancer. Line? I remember that. Oh, maybe that's why. Oh, there's apparently a Melissa Etheridge cruise, so that's fun. The, mm. uh, the next on the list is D Antwerd. Huh. And to me, it seems like D Antwerd really? is more into Weird. meth than marijuana. Yeah, I would, I would think of them as a drug band, but not at all pop. No, like ecstasy ecstasy or heroin yeah just <laughs> like anything just the dirtiest smack you can get <laughs> snort it yeah and then that's the antwerp yeah, yeah and the rolling stones um i tried to get into them for a hot minute and that didn't happen i i genuinely i like the antwerp i like the idea of them for sure but like just musically i wasn't i, think I you wasn't think as into it as i, I like wanted to be lot. i like it i think it's weird um mike tyson Interesting. Uh, uh, he actually seems like a guy who would be like very not do drugs or drink yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like anymore. Because obviously, famously, yeah. he was a cokehead. Right. Um, oh, okay. Right. You didn't know about Mike Tyson? You went to jail for no, it. No, I mean, there's a lot about Mike Tyson I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> okay. So. Um, Speaking of Pineapple Express, by the way. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a key part of that movie? No, that they, is the hangover. He has the tiger. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. You know what? It's probably basically the same movie. <laughs> I know they're not technically, but they're not good enough to split hairs. <laughs> Montel Williams? Pardon? Wait, really? Yeah. What? This has to. I thought he was doing like commercials for the AARP. I believe he. That is nuts. Really? Yeah, he. I don't know what the commercial was for, but I primarily know him from doing a commercial for like a weird 
product, basically. Uh, Damian Marley, because f- fucking of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't even know if reggae counts. <laughs> no. You know what? <laughs> to be When it's part of your religion, I don't think you count as a famous person who's into, into weed. Okay. Martha Stewart, also on this list. Really? I'm impressed. Um, half I skipped a lot of them, but sure. Um, what a dumb list. That's crazy. So those are all just people who have had like their own weed. I guess so. At some point, yeah. If I'm thinking of people who like marijuana, and I'm transporting my brain back to 2003, it's definitely Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, um, yeah. Tommy Chong, Tommy Chong, and Bob Marley, and that is yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. Those are all the shirts they sold at Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> the closest uh, uh, 10-year-old got in Montana to the smell of marijuana yeah. smoke was that Bob Marley shirt at Spencer's exactly. Gifts. <laughs> no, most of the time we just grew up with the smell of meth. Just yeah, meth around. smoke. Yeah. Which is a lot cooler than weed, so and no It is. It's kind of a it's kind of a cool high they call Exactly. It. And nobody knew that until yeah. Breaking Bad came out. And then everybody yeah, wanted to do Blue it. Ice, baby, yeah. or whatever. Wasn't that what it was called? Something like that. Something blue. It was blue something. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. I don't know. I just know that apparently over the end credits they played Baby Blue by Badfinger. Which I only know because like I don't know. Ten years. I don't, it's not even been 10 years since that show ended. But several years after that show ended, I got really into Badfinger. Yikes. And was like reading up on them. And it was like, oh, Baby Blue played over the end credits of Breaking Bad. And I'm like, that's how much I don't remember the end of that show, apparently. So I had no idea. That's how much I don't give a shit about Goldfinger. Is That's a surprising opinion from you, actually. I feel like you would like Badfinger. You seem like a Badfinger fan. Give me one second. I mean, look up Baby Blue. I feel like you've probably yeah, okay. heard it. The whole time you said Badfinger, I was thinking yeah. of the band Good Finger. Oh. Good Finger? There's like some weird, dumb, oh. like, skater band from the 2000s that has a similar name. Oh, I do like shit. Badfinger. For some reason, I was just Got hearing it. the wrong thing. You thought I said a different band. All right, all right. Yeah. You know what? Badfinger is not a band name I would assume gets confused, but <laughs> apparently someone did it. So that's all is right. Goodfinger? Good for them. I actually, Badfinger, is just a real quick hit on SiriusXM chat. Oh. Badfinger's been on SiriusXM. I heard a Badfinger the song the other day on SiriusXM. You'll like this. And uh, I was like, man, I love Badfinger. I should set an alert so that whenever a channel plays Badfinger... I can switch to it. So I set that alert, and within a day, I had to take the alert off because guess what channel plays Badfinger constantly? Is it Badfinger Radio? No, no, there's not. You know, with only three albums, it's kind of hard to do a whole radio station. But no, the the Beatles channel plays Badfinger constantly, which makes a lot of sense because they were one of they were what, on like three Apple bands Records, on Apple yeah. Records, so... And they were also the only, I think, the only band on Apple Records that, like... Didn't have anything to do with... Were actually discovered by the Beatles and, like, had kind of a relationship with them, so... I believe... And they definitely have a Beatles sound, at least in their early years. Yeah, I believe they were the first band 
on Apple Records that didn't have a member of the Beatles like dealing like in it, you know. Yeah. What well, was James Taylor later then? I thought he was the first signee. I mean, I know I, I think that was later. Maybe though. that's what you meant. Oh, I thought he was like the very first one for some reason. Okay, well, we'll do a quick Apple Records. Just look it up. Apple Records, baby. Um, God, I just loved, I always loved hopping down to the Apple Records store, meeting with an Apple Records genius, and getting that brand new Apple Record 12, you know? Just always looks so sleek in your hand. The beautiful glass case that was would shatter all the time. It's just gorgeous. Great, great record company, Apple Records. I love them. Uh, you know what's weird? I mean, Apple Records definitely... You know how Android and all their commercials has to put a trademark at the bottom for the word droid mm-hmm. to Lucasfilm or whatever? Now Disney, I suppose, maybe owns that. Um, I wonder if Apple ever had to do that. I assume Apple Records, having gone out of business in like 1972, <laughs> is long past the yeah the time I... when another band or another company using their name would have to worry about it. But um. Never ever go onto the Apple Records discography Wikipedia page. Oh no. It's the most confusing chart to look at in the world. But the first wow. artist as as best you can make out. <laughs> I'm sure someone will be emailing us shortly about this. The oh, first God. artist, oh, you know what? That's alphabetical. Alphabetically, they're f- the first artist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that can't be denied. So, oh my god, yeah. um, the band I was Damn. thinking you were saying Badfinger was was the band oh, Goldfinger, and they do this song. Okay. Oh yeah, no, this actually is also one of my favorite bands. Yeah. This oh, is hell yeah. This is they made this uh, April twelfth, twenty twenty. It's their quarantine video. Oh, good. They're still around. It is bizarre watching no, that voice you. and that music come out of what is now a middle aged man, like a very old person. Yeah, yeah, he's like wearing a suit too, but he's got like he looks like a dad. That is bizarre. I don't like that. I mean, yeah, that is odd. But yeah, Badfinger, Beatles Channel. That was it. That's all we were saying. Okay. Um, well, real quick, Pete. That is odd. Oh, we got way off track. I was gonna say uh, fuck, I was in the middle of saying something and then we got way, 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 way off track. It was after the weed thing, but before the breaking bad thing. I don't know that there was much in between there. Oh no, we were I literally just was gonna I you don't remember what the meth was called in Breaking Bad. <laughs> I think that's all it was. And then in my head, I was like, we should get back to that. We don't need to get back to that. No, uh, no, 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 Peter. We got to Oh, I was going to say, if you wanted to talk about Breaking Bad, I have some strong opinions like seven years later. You don't really like it that much? I hated that fucking show. Really? I, I hated almost all of it. Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just remember I watched almost I watched it all like after it had all come out on Netflix or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the first two seasons, I spent going, "Why does everyone like this show? This is the most boring piece of trash." Like, 
it really sucks and probably should have given up on it but then got to like middle of season three at some point i think around whenever the gus fring guy shows up yeah that's like three yeah like and then around there through the middle of the last season five i want to say sure it was five five or six i don't know i don't remember yeah Uh, from there through the middle of the last season i watched that in like four days I, i got so into it and then the minute at the end that they kill hank I was like, oh, I'm done with this show. This sucks. I like, I don't, I have no more investment because he was the only character who I was watching for at that point. And then like the last three episodes taking the weird turn where Aaron Paul is like a weird prisoner. Was, yeah. I hated all of it. It was so bad. So. And very miserable uh, to watch. I am not a person who would ever like wear a Breaking Bad t-shirt or like, yeah, you know, anything like that. Uh, I thought it was a good show, and I watched it. Um, honestly, what I missed was in the first season. There's a lot of like, they'll get into like a jam, and then they'll solve it with yeah. chemistry. <laughs> right, right, right. I I thought that was such a dumb thing, and I loved it so it had much. A bit of a sitcom and I wish they would have done it way on. more. But like, yeah. and they kind of stopped doing it in the parts that you liked, which is probably why you right. liked it. And I uh, possibly, I uh, I missed that. I missed when yeah. they were just like, "We can charge the batteries with our piss, Jesse, <laughs> Mister White. We can't do it like that, bitch, <laughs> Jesse. Our piss." <laughs> oh man. That's I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed any of Breaking Bad. <laughs> I will say. You know, I also will admit I had a huge stick up my ass about Breaking Bad because it was like the next cool show after Mad, Mad Men. Men. Yeah. And it started and got really famous when Mad Men had like three seasons left and like it felt like the whole world just abandoned Mad Men, but I was still hanging on like, no, it's still an amazing show guys you should still be watching this breaking bad isn't that good and so it, yeah. it is funny that you called breaking bad boring and then love mad men i also love huh. mad men but there are some parts where I mean, i'm like let's get to it guys yeah. you know oh really that's interesting. i i do love the show it's one of my favorite shows but yeah i have to say having just rewatched all of it there's definitely a few like I would say there's probably a half dozen episodes through the whole thing upon rewatch where I was like, wow, I'm really surprised that that was like, that was the whole episode. Like if I had watched that back in the days when you only watched an episode a week, you'd have been disappointed. It would have been a real like, what the, what the fuck? Like you didn't do anything with your 45 minutes. Exactly. Especially there's like a couple in the last season where it's like, you're not moving anything forward right now. What is this episode about? Yeah. Um, um, but I would say aside from that, like maybe six to seven kind of not even duds, just like nothing that moves forward. And that's forward. mostly what I'm talking about. Like, I would say aside from that, though, I, it's I don't think overall it's a boring show, but an incredibly good show, like from the beginning. But th- there are episodes, though, saying. where it's like, Jesus Christ, we get it. It's the 60s, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But oh shit, what was I going to say? Oh, so you watched all of all of Med Men. Um, all of it, every episode. Did you see the Rolling Stones episode finally? I did. I, yes. I This is the one time we're going to talk about Mad Men, and I will not edit it out, because we've talked Great. about it probably ten times, and none of it stayed in. Yeah. I think maybe the first time you mentioned the Rolling Stones being in it. But anyway, 
Yeah, the Rolling Stones episode was interesting because it was their 1966 U.S. tour, right? I believe that's I want to say, or yeah. S- yeah, I'm pretty sure. And they mentioned Alan Klein being the manager in the episode, and I was like, really? Not, and then, like, I, that I forget. Yeah, when I watched it at the time, I was like, oh, maybe because of whatever. But I thought, yeah, it wasn't until like 67. But like they specifically a couple times are like, okay, so this guy named Alan Klein is apparently who we're supposed to talk to in order to talk to the band or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they like, yeah. And then they accidentally signed the openers to do uh, their song. Right. And yeah, it's interesting. It's, It's an interesting part. I mostly like that episode just because Harry eating like 30 White Castle burgers or whatever is yeah. very, very funny and one of my favorite parts um, <laughs> of the what? show. You, you heard the girl talk about how, what does uh, she say? Yeah. Brian, Brian Jones, Jones is a, a troubadour. troubadour. Yeah, I would just what like the fuck are you I talking about? get backstage and do anything. I don't know, man. I mean, I think, I don't think that's a crazy. I think it's a stupid uh, opinion. Opinion to have. Okay. If you're thinking of a young person into music, like the more moody and like behind his bangs the guy is on stage, I feel like the cooler he seems, at least to a certain person. I don't know. I I don't have a problem with that. Are you ever that opinion? Sometimes when I'm watching a show with like my girlfriend or somebody, I will immediately be like, "That's the coolest character." I know for a fact. A girlfriend, a lover, Mm -hmm. maybe one of your, you know harem yes something yeah. along those lines just one of those yeah just any one any. of the people hanging out in your house doing doing heroin yeah and yeah. and there are a lot but i in yeah. my mind will always be like that's the coolest character like i know that and then whenever i like talk okay. about it they're like or and somebody disagrees i'm like you're dumb you're a stupid idiot if you don't think that's <laughs> the coolest character okay he's the coolest coolest character in Mad Men. don draper obviously oh Oh, I don't. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it is because he's just such a fucking loser, <laughs> or at least such an insane person. It's hard to call him cool when he's so like. But obviously, you side with the him word? a lot. Not narcissistic. Well, um, narcissistic. Narcissistic is also correct. I mean, he is a narcissist. But what's the word where you're? Oh God damn it! Don't look it up explain it to me i know i'm trying to think it's i feel like people use it like not psychotic people use it to describe like sociopathic kind of yeah maybe that's the word i'm looking for Uh, like he's definitely not a good person no in a general sense but but so like i have trouble thinking of him as the coolest person on the show uh, so obviously i don't think he's the coolest but he is the protagonist and that is like obvious right i'm talking about like kind of more of an ensemble cast where there's not really like a main character it's like oh okay yeah. okay okay um but to like answer your on, question who like, is the coolest who's the coolest character in yeah, mad yeah. men it's the coolest one roger sterling is pretty cool yeah i feel like roger kind of has to be like the coolest i mean yeah. just because john slattery is so good and so cool yeah i i would agree with that yeah. i would also maybe nominate um joan honestly joan is cool yeah. If we're going for just cool, yeah, and like consistent coolness through the entire thing, yeah. But same with Roger, honestly. Yeah. Uh, okay, ensemble show like a like a Parks and Recreation, L- like like a Farts and Procreation. <laughs> yes. Sure. 
Oh, you yeah. want to know who I think nice. the coolest character is? Oh, no, oh, okay. I just... <laughs> it's just an example. I thought you had a show you wanted to share with me, and we were going to choose our favorite character. No, because we What about the show PJ Vinyl? Who's the coolest character on the show Vinyl? I've never seen it, but you're a big fan. I'm a huge fan. And it's at least Rolling Stones adjacent. I would say the... Um, so the whole thing is like there. There's like two different stories going on, and one of the stories is yeah. there's this black gentleman who used to play music real, real good, and the main guy had signed him, was like his manager or something, and the main guy was responsible for him getting his throat crushed, and then he couldn't sing no more. But Jesus. he was really good at singing beforehand. Um, okay. He's also a really good guitarist, but. Um, I think that guy's the coolest because he yeah. hates nice. the the main guy who you're supposed to like kind of sympathize with. But like right, this right. guy's way cooler. And then he starts uh, managing a punk band. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably the coolest people, though, that punk band. Oi, the nasty bits. I'm Mick Jagger's son. <laughs> Fuck you. That's why I got this job, mate. Hey, we're going to we're going to talk about that song, The Nasty Bits, on today's album. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's it. So nice. Let's get into Beach Boys news before we get any more off topic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a couple. Yeah, that's a good point. We have. Well, I guess we just have that one. Sirius XM check came up organically. Yeah. Mick Jagger. And Dave Grohl made a song together called Easy oh, no. Sleazy that came out April 13th. Oh, no. Which, um... Oh, no. Not, not to... Is it like the Van Morrison, Eric Clapton song where it's all about how we shouldn't be in lockdown? <laughs> no. Easy Sleazy, take your mask off. <laughs> um, easy... You know what? We're gonna play the song, and you're gonna tell me what you think okay. it's about. Um, oh, okay. I mean, to be honest, I'm guessing it's about... Easy sleazy ladies, my favorite type. You know how much I want that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we'll t- we'll talk about it after this. You know what? Okay. Let me. Let's just hear it. Yeah, let's, let's hear, hear shit. it, man. Is Mick Jagger? I assume Mick Jagger's playing harmonica. We'll just get into it. He is playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Not quite rocking as hard as the Stones usually do, but I'll allow it. Actually, PJ, very important. Is Pat Smear on this song? That's a good question. I'm... Oh, he's so old. That's oh, a video? Damn. I mean, it definitely sounds like it's about current time. That's our names. Yeah. Just two old men singing about old man shit. You also have to love a song where they just don't write a melody. They're like, we'll just kind of shout it. Exactly. Don't worry about 
any melody. Like, it just means you can play any chord behind it, too, is, is the nice oh, part. Oh, it's perfect. You don't even have to, like, write it down. No, yeah, yeah. I've sent you a link to the lyrics. Well, Nick doesn't sound great. I'll say that. He does not. It sounds like he's running out of breath as they go through the song, to be <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, so what you can't see in the video is he's taking a puff off of an oxygen tank whenever there's a solo or a breakdown. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Dave Grohl's playing drums and singing backing vocals, mind you. Okay. Wow, this is... Oh, man, this is really bad. Who wrote these lyrics? It's probably Mick. <laughs> oh. Okay. So they have some anti-vaccine things to say. That's interesting. I think it's ironic. I mean, it definite. This song definitely has a wicked sense of humor, PJ. I hear these guys are on the writing team for the John Oliver show. They're so <laughs> This is such a bad song that, like, if one of these guys was on SNL in a couple weeks and they wanted to do a parody version of it, like, you can't parody it. No, it's because it's, it's already, already dumb. So dumb. Yeah. Wow. Okay, my favorite verse is uh, verse three, shooting the vaccine. Bill Gates is in my bloodstream. It's mind control. The earth is flat and cold. <laughs> uh, um, beautiful. Oh, and there's aliens in the deep state. Yeah. Um, Can't forget that. I think he was like writing it, thinking about um, the the people who voted for, and I think, I think you'll agree with this term, who I want to call our president. Um, thinking about you know no. people who support him and uh, no what no oh you don't no no our president Joseph R Biden Jr. yes I love you I love that know that's man. not who I'm talking about you know um and I think he's just like oh right, I'm gonna guy. take the piss at them I'm gonna write a song oh, yeah. about the cold flat earth and this is definitely a song where it started with someone wanting to take the piss out of something yeah. <laughs> But it, uh, oh man, it is, for a Dave Grohl joint, I would have expected better. I mean, I I actually, I do not remember specifically when this thought crossed my mind, right. but sometime within the last few years, I think around the time that Dave Grohl had that dumb TV show, Sound in the Road or whatever. I'm unaware of this. Um he had i forget it i think it was a real tv show on like hbo where it was like a documentary series where he would go to different studios around the country and record with famous people every week huh. and uh dave Grohl's just 
an old man now. He is very old. Like, he's so uninteresting all of a sudden. Like, he kind of what? Like, even, I feel like up until, like, 2015-ish, the Foo Fighters were, like, kind of interesting still. Or at least to me. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, he's he's just a lame dad. Yeah. And that's it now. That is the last album from them I was like, that's a pretty good album, is that one that came out yeah. around that time. Um, um, the last one from them that I enjoyed, although I have not listened to it, oh boy, maybe in seven or eight years, is Wasting Light. Oh, 2011. Boy, that's a while ago. That came out a long time. Long time ago. What was the one right after that? I also don't give a shit at all about Nirvana and Sonic Highways. That was the name of the show too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one after that. Maybe that's yeah. the one I'm thinking. And that's the name. Yeah, in the album's eight songs were him going to eight different studios, um, huh. to like talk about. That's not the one. The studio and the city's musical history, which he used as inspiration for the song's lyrics. Okay, then I that's not I the am one. thinking of Wasting Light. Yes, that is yeah. the correct one. Do they have a full album after Sonic Highways? Oh, Saints. No, that's an EP. Jesus. Easy Targets. Concrete and Gold came out in 2017. Uh, Easy Targets came out in 2020. Oh, well, I was just going chronologically through Wikipedia. Concrete and Gold concerns the future of the United States from the viewpoint of the band's frontman, Dave Grohl, with the heated atmosphere of the 2016 elections and the presidency of Donald Trump cited as major influences by Grohl. Oh, I'm glad he's on our side. <laughs> That's cute, Dave. Oh, how fun 2017 was when people thought they could make a difference. Yeah, right. Um, but medicine at midnight. I think I think nice. you're right about that. They've not. He's not been like that cool since about that time. You're right. Um, wow. But they're apparently their newest album adds elements of dance rock and pop. What the fuck? I almost want to give it a listen just to see, but I don't. I really don't want to. <laughs> That's fair. I want to stay miles away from... I, I don't even want to re-listen to the Food Fighters anymore. I I, I like them still. Um, but yeah, I just thought... I, I thought you would have known about that. Uh, no. Not heard it, but known about So Right. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing that happened. I'm glad you, <laughs> I'm glad you brought it to... To everyone's attention, it's yeah. you know what Mick just still it's come a long way. You know what? Weirdly, that this twins a little bit with one of the songs on today's record that oh, is yeah. apparently about uh, not conspiracy. Well, kind of conspiracy theories and like the government keeping an eye on you. So, dance, little sister. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, but dance like nobody's watching. Well, really, the government's watching. Oh, you know how do you feel about you. that? The, That's the lyric. The NSA yeah. on your freaking laptops um they're wiretapping your phone so they can listen to you dance they're wiretapping your phones they're watching you jerk your little ding dong when you're on the internet and that's right that's pretty much all they do um what else can they tap I, street lights i don't really know um yeah that's all i got well that's been rolling stones news Okay. PJ. Peter. Do you want to get into this week's album? Oh, Pete, I want to get into this week's album. Nice. All right. So this week we're talking about It's Only Rock and Roll. 
Because, you know what, what have we even been fucking doing so far if it's all just only rocking? Come on, guys. Yeah. What are you, just making your whole career a, a laugh at this point? Come on. <laughs> uh, I thought we'd start real quick since this is poor little Mick. His list, his last album with the Rolling Stones. And what a way to go so, out. I know. I thought we'd start with an age check for the band uh, as it's currently constructed so we can, you know, there he's going out on top as the youngest member of one of the oldest bands in rock at this point. Yeah. It is weird to think about that uh, there were not like rock, rock bands that much older than them. Yeah. Right? I, Isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, like uh, this came out, what year was this? 74 74 so zeppelin was well on their way and only like i mean john paul jones is probably the same age as most of the dudes in the stones maybe but yeah there probably wasn't a rock star older than 35 right i gotta think yeah that is weird maybe was david bow i have no idea how david bow is probably is, 30 at this time he seems like he could have been older but anyway mick big mick uh 31 and keith both 31 years old oh those old fucks there i know right they already had the birthday where they were like oh we're scared of being 30 and then but now they're 31 and now they're like oh 40 man right around the corner uh we got the oldest member bill clocking in at a hot 37 years old. oh he's almost 40 get fucked yeah it's nuts he's too old uh charlie's 33 and little mick is just 25 years young keeping it real man yeah a fresh a, a fresh flower still <sighs> fresh heroin soaked flower yeah. <laughs> see now's the time when we got to do beach boys hot or not because yeah. he's i thought he was a little bit too young but also still right. hot. it felt like robbing the cradle before exactly but now, now he's 25 like, and yeah. that's like a heroin 25 so he's like 30 pretty much exactly so the stones started working on this album after they got back from their 1973 European tour, which is supposedly a very good one. I think we talked a couple episodes about ago about their like Brussels 73 show, I think is supposed to be one of the best of all time. If you ever want to look it up. Well, yeah, they, they roasted them really nice and, uh, yes. had them with, yeah, yeah, yeah. with a little garlic and they kind of started the like craft brewery, like movement of bringing those back as an appetizer. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they originally, their original idea for an album, I feel like this has come up recently too with another album with a, a terrible idea originally. Uh, they wanted to do a half live album and half studio cuts <laughs> album, but it's not even that bad. The half live is from their 73 European tour and the studio cuts were, would be just them doing R&B covers. That's so no, the worst no symmetry at all or like no thematic <laughs> continuity that's dumb it's just yeah it uh, that would be some whiplash um so apparently they had recorded the covers of drift away shame 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 and ain't too proud to bang right. which was the only one from those sessions that obviously Thank made it on God the album it's the only one that made i am of the opinion though i kind of want to hear their version of drift away to be honest it would be bad <laughs> It'd be interesting i think yeah oh yeah I that seems like one where Keith sings lead. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm of this strong opinion that you don't put a live song on an album unless it's a live album. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean as we've talked about, I think the Rolling Stones are really the only band to ever do that consistently at least. Consistently, so. yes. But like sometimes yeah. you'll hear a live I don't know. I don't love it. Yeah. 
Um, Unless it's like so finishing they, out the album. You can yeah. get one. That's it. So they scrapped the idea uh, after a big Kanye fan, right? You love Pinocchio story. Oh, fuck. You got me, dude. Uh, so they scrapped the idea after they came to the studio and were actually turning out some good songs uh, aside from the R&B covers. So they thought they should make a full album. Um, although I have some theories about not all these songs being written for this album, but, uh, this was also their first self-produced album since Satanic Majesty's Request, which was their first one up till now, or their only one, uh, on the album art, it was credited to the Glimmer Twins who were Mick and Keith. Apparently that name came from someone, some hanger on in the studio mentioned, oh, they look like they're glimmering about them like working together hmm. and they thought that sounded cool so they called themselves the glimmer twins that and uh is if you didn't think everyone was on drugs now you know yeah <laughs> uh it's pretty ridiculous uh and also it's just weird for that like i mean the stones the stones do kind of flirt with the glam world especially mick mm-hmm. um being like uh, wearing friends capes with David and shit Bowie and all and, that yeah. um yeah and like stylistically kind of do but like musically and especially when it's like mick and keith together does not seem like no. something they would like lean into yeah um so yeah the glimmer twins is kind of interesting but whatever uh so yeah so jimmy miller's gone which we talked about in the last album it being his last album and a little bit of why he maybe left um keith in a later interview like from the 80s or 90s said that jimmy they partially like asked Jimmy to leave. He partially left and they were feeling like Jimmy had gotten just a little stagnant Mm. in his like producing uh, less creative and such. He has a quote. Um, it got to be a habit, a way of life for Jimmy to do one stones album a year. He'd got over the initial sort of excitement. Um, and that Keith and Mick were interested in being their own producers after goat's head soup hadn't been, produced how they want it like they had different ideas i guess right. for goat's head soup and the way jimmy did it they didn't like so they thought we could try it themselves and um apparently they self-produce a lot of their albums from here on out i think they occasionally work with other producers but they end up doing a lot of self-production so we'll see how that goes we shall i i have to say i don't feel like i notice a huge i i wouldn't say that at least production wise there's any quality drop off on this album um in terms of like choices made i guess we can get into it when we get to the album right like for i mean satanic majesty is the only self-produced i think because no one produced it so they just credit it to themselves um but this one if they were actually trying to produce it at least in an objective sense i think they did a good job of like making an album sound decent and all yeah it's not like poorly recorded or anything no I, I think it sounds better than Goat's Head Soup, just in terms of the like production Probably, sound, yeah, I might agree with that. Uh, it's at least more consistent, which we talked about on Goat's Head Soup a lot, where yeah. it felt all over the place with the styles they were going for. So Yeah, I believe that we talked about that. I remember yeah. that conversation. Um, So this album also marks the first appearance of Ron Wood in the Stones canon. Good old who I Ronnie. Think- I was listening back to an older episode, and at some point, I think I called him Rodwood or something. I called him not the right name, huh. and it sounded so wrong to my ears when I reheard it. I think I, I think I just misspoke because I know his name is Ron Wood. So 
whatever. No, he doesn't. He's been calling him Ronwood up until this point. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Um, okay. So, because he helps record the title track, it's only rock and roll, but I like it with the Stones. Um, so Ronnie Wood, being a member of Jeff Beck Group and Faces before this, right. was kind of in their circle and, to some degree. And Small Faces. Oh, really? Okay. I think. Let me look that up before I put that in the faces. No, I'm very wrong about that. No, Ronnie Lane was in Small Faces. That's where I get confused. Oh, so, so, so similar. Oh, one sec. Apparently, Shelby is making bacon. I don't know why. Oh. I don't know if she's making dinner of some kind, but. Nice. Mm, that's fucking good. Okay. Um, bacon is like the worst thing to eat on mic because you have to it's chew so, so chewy, much. and it has a pretty good crunch to it. Okay, so Ron Wood, um, yeah, from Jeff Beck Group and Faces, uh, which Faces is a crazy. I did not realize that that was kind of a super group. Oh, I don't yeah. know if it was at the time, but I think it was because like I don't the because Ron Wood had been in um that band you just said jeff, jeff beck, beck group. group um and jeff yeah. beck was like uh right let me look at this and then rod stewart had been in or was faces his first band what was rod stewart up to before then whatever doesn't matter. i don't know i just know that it's crazy because faces stems from the Yardbirds, as does led zeppelin because right um i think ronnie Okay, here's what's also confusing. Ronnie Lane from Small Faces was also in Faces. That's what's confusing. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, Glenn Matlock? I don't know. Anyway. Regardless, so Ron Wood um, actually meets the band through Little Mick, of all things. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, who uh little mick he invited little mick to come play on his first solo album ron wood's first solo album in my mind so, for some reason i do tie them together um little mick and ronnie wood oh yeah. and i think that's you know what i'm thinking now and it's because they were both guitars for the rolling stones so never mind yeah that's maybe why <laughs> well i'm actually just interested through all this happening and we'll get to it over the next couple albums but i always kind of thought maybe with like Mick Taylor and Brian Jones, I always kind of thought Ron would replace Mick Taylor in the same way where it was a little bit of a, like where it was like more of a, um, someone got kicked out and the other right. guy took his spot, you know, mm -hmm. like, but it's, it's not that, uh, Anna, Anna, there's not that much animosity, animosity I guess about it. Um, so it's not really like that crazy that, you know, this guy he knew in the rock world took his, spot mm -hmm. uh and he wasn't really even taking a spot because he'd quit but right. anyway so through knowing mick keith got invited over to ron wood's house which do we call him ron or ronnie we can call him ron that's fine all right because is his do most people call him ronnie most people say ronnie wood uh, i think we should call him then mr. i'm going wood. ron yeah mr wood okay uh so keith got invited over to his house at some point and became 
pals with him and ended up living in his guest room for a while. Oh. Can you see a little Graham Parsons connection? Oh. Keith, you know, Keith, I feel like he doesn't have a lot of friends, but when he meets someone, he's like, he digs. Yeah. They get like really close really fast. Um, And then, so then Mick uh, Jagger started hanging out with them. And at some point they had a jam session with David Bowie and Willie Weeks, um, and which spawned It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it at that jam session Mm -hmm. um and they ended up mick ended up taking it for the album and i think used the original rhythm track i'm unclear it's it's unclear on how many how much of the original thing is on the album right because mick taylor is not credited as playing on it so like they didn't redo it in the studio okay um and then it's also like, who's playing drums? Right? Anyway. <laughs> mostly I was just wanting to know if you could hear David Bowie singing on it, but with a lot of careful listening, if he's singing on the track that's on the album, it's really mixed down. Like I have never noticed it, but I also yeah, didn't yeah. know this story. So But it seems like you would be able to hear like he Bowie? Such a yeah. voice. Kind of like uh Mick singing backing vocals in um you're so vain. Yeah. It's like if David Bowie was on this song, you'd think you would, you would know. know. So everybody knows this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so like so Ron Wood is playing the I, I think acoustic guitar okay. on It's Only Rock and Roll here. And then Keith added some overdubs in the studio, but otherwise it's like that jam session mm-hmm. is mostly the track. Um so yeah, let's see. That's kind of all about this album. Do you want to talk a little bit about Little Mick leaving? Sure. Little Mick left. Um, yeah. He didn't love the nickname Little Mick because he's actually taller than Mick Jagger by a lot. Uh, no. Stronger. Well, his wiener's yeah. bigger. And he was Irish, so it was really pretty offensive. Yeah. So he left just because he just didn't feel appreciated um, because of his nickname. And then mm-hmm. he left to go do more heroin and that's mm-hmm. about it that's right yeah. um so there were several reasons that he left the first of which was the songwriting credits which i think we have talked about a few times about him not really getting properly credited right which is for helping bullshit yeah it is bullshit i think he only got credits for like two songs hmm. i forget exactly i could look through the notes i guess but i think it's only been two or three at the most i would Um, believe that yeah he's had his name on and then at least i would say probably 10 that he said he's helped write enough where he thought he deserved credit yeah at least if not more than that anyway i guess it's only four albums so but um it's not that many songs but when they're rolling stones albums during the height of their career that's a lot of money on the table for mick not getting the songwriting credits so he um his obviously his position is that he helped write a bunch of songs and should have gotten credit uh big mick denies that he helped enough to get songwriting credits and like it's also a weird thing because they i feel like they have a lot of all band compositions or like a lot of just working things out in the studio yeah to where, where he should get really credit. That, see, it really just feels like they should they should be more loose with the because they've credited stuff to the whole band 
like four or five times up till now. Yeah. And it's like, you should just, you should do that as much as it's even a question yeah. of like whether Charlie had an idea for well, the guitar riff. You know what I mean? And like, that's the thing that's always fucked me up about bands is that like, like is George Harrison credited for let it be not at all, but it is one of yeah. the greatest solos of all time that he wrote. Like, yeah, for some it's reason just, it's only it just seems lyrics. like it's asking for trouble yeah. to like, unless like clearly someone is writing a song, bringing it to the band. And then like, I mean, I do think there's some room for like, they don't have to have like literally written every part for every instrument. Yeah. You know, but it, it just seems if somebody thinks like that they porn PJ, I feel like you know a song when like you see who it. wrote the song right. when you see you know because it's like it's pretty clear to everybody if like Keith brings in a song and he's like I'm playing this riff Charlie kick in on the drums here Bill if you could do this kind of bass line yeah like then you can credit it to Keith exactly and then if Mick writes the lyrics then it's like okay that's a Mick a Jagger Richards composition but if they're all sitting around jamming and Keith's like, I've kind of been thinking about this riff. And then Charlie's like, oh yeah, here's a cool drum beat to go with. And they all like kick in like that. Yeah. Then it's like, how do you credit that to only two people? You know? Exactly. So. And that's like, I mean, that's where a lot of like band rifts come from. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, apparently Paul McCartney and John Lennon only ever, I don't remember what song it was, but in Paul McCartney's, it's, it's not a book he wrote, hmm. but it was taken yeah. from interviews he did. There was only two songs that they ever disagreed on who wrote. Um, That's but, you know, it was all Lennon and McCartney. So, but Paul McCartney yeah. was like, I wrote that entire song. John Lennon was like, I'm pretty sure I wrote that guy. Uh, and that only <laughs> ever happened with two songs out of, you know, like yeah. uh, so many. So That's interesting. I mean, really, with the Stones, it seems like it just so much comes down to it being a business, especially yeah. for Mick. Oh, yeah. And just like he he does not want the status quo upset of like of how the the pie is cut as it were mm -hmm. um and you know they hired mick if you remember they hired little mick as like a contract player right he Originally. was not like he's never getting paid as like a, even a full band member or credit i don't think even credited as like a full band member um interesting i mean i i, I would guess on like album sleeves he's just listed along with the other members but right payment wise i think he's getting less than everyone else the whole time that's rough. um which then but then at that point like it makes it almost shittier that then they won't even credit him for a song especially like i moonlight mile might have been one that he was credited on but there were three or four songs like that where the story is that he and mick wrote the entire thing together and keith was never there so it's right. like how are you not giving the guy credit for like you're already paying him so little and he's doing extra work and you're not giving him credit for that. So I don't really blame him for being mad, especially because apparently at the time he, you know, Mick was telling him they would credit him and then albums would come out and it wouldn't credit him on the sleeve. Mm -hmm. And he would say, what the fuck? And Mick's like, oh, sorry, man, band decision or whatever. And then just like leave him to stew. That is super so. shitty. Yeah. He has a quote, Little Mick. Uh, we used to fight and argue all the time, and one of the things I got angry about was that Mick had promised to give me credit for some of the songs, and he didn't. I believed I'd contributed enough. Let's put it this way. Without my contributions, those songs would not have existed. There's not many, but enough. Things like Sway, Moonlight Mile, and a couple of others. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And I mean, again, like when you're part of what people consider 
like the best era of one of the best rock bands of all time. That's like, that's a tough, in, yeah. at the time, like he was living that's it true. as people were yeah. like, this is the greatest rock band on earth. Well, and, and you're not getting credit. The, the, so. the fact that like honky tonk women or like wild horses, um, I forgot he helped them do that one. Yeah. yeah or like all of, uh, exile on main street. Like that whole vibe is a lot to do with the slide guitar that he's playing and like fucking killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, bull- I mean, it is and bullshit. like, what's interesting? I wonder if I have quotes about this. I don't. I found a lot of quotes from Mick and Keith, and I think a couple from Charlie too. From later on, when you know, in later interviews they'd done, and all of them were like, "Yeah, Mick was like." the best guitarist we ever had like we oh yeah that was and they were all like unequivocal and like that was the best music we were making he had he was an amazing guitarist and keith was like we worked really well together and mick was like we wrote good songs together like they all at least a couple decades on were like yes he was awesome and charlie even was like i wish he hadn't left and stuff yeah and but obviously not enough at the time so anyway um Little Mick also had a quote. I never really felt, um, and I don't know why, but I never felt I was going to stay with the Stones forever, even from the beginning, hmm. which is kind of interesting too. That is interesting. Um, yeah. So he officially quit. Oh, well, yeah. So he officially quit in December of 1974, a couple months after the album came out that we're talking about today. Um, they were having a party in London for the band and they were going to go off to start recording their next album. And he got all pissy and walked out and they were all like what what did we ever do wrong to you mick (laughs) um and then later on little mick added i think we talked about this on goat's head soup little mick said that also the drug culture around the band was getting to him yeah and he didn't he was he was not into it i mean he was doing (laughs) he was doing heroin but he didn't he didn't want to keep yeah keep sticking glorifying it yeah yeah um oh yeah i do have a note about also in later interviews almost every single quote that i found like to a t they're always just like i was never really that sure why he left yeah it was just a big shock to all of us and it's just like guys you have you're such they're so they're such a band like willfully in denial it seems like about their own legacy it's insane Hmm. um yeah so this is the last album he plays on he's credited i think on some other albums because they dig up like old studio demos and rework them for later albums where like his plane will appear on some later albums Mm -hmm. but um obviously he wasn't like there recording it so right so his name might come up again so yeah that's little mick little mick's out Uh, they don't have a guitar player man r.i.p little mick well i mean they have keith but yeah what what does he what does he do even that's a good point. Um, so back to it's only rock and roll. The last note we have about it is about the album cover. That's okay. Yeah, I which is a very unique album cover. One that is one of my personal, like, best, most recognizable. I should say rolling stones album covers because that's interesting it is the rolling stones album i would say you most find in a record store 
because it seemed like yeah. it sold like gangbusters. And then by the time used record stores, like in the 2000s, were buying people's collections, everyone was like, oh, yeah, I don't actually like this album that much. Let's get rid of this it. This and Tattoo You so. are the ones I have seen the most. Yes. Yeah. A dime a dozen. Yeah. yeah. You can get those in the dollar bin almost probably. Yeah. Um, it also really, this album cover always annoyed me because I kind of always had my eye out for a copy of Satanic Majesty's Request just because I was really into like 60s psychedelic rock when I was looking at vinyl and thought that would be a cool album to have. And I, for some reason or another, flipping through the vinyl, this one always first looked like, could it be? Uh, No, it's not. Never mind. Keep going. (laughs) And I know it's not that similar looking at it now, but for some reason, flipping through through the stacks, it always my first thought was oh no never mind did you ever get a copy of satanic majesty's no 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 i uh i don't honestly think i ever even came across one man that seems like a rare record to find it might be because it didn't sell particularly well i don't think at the time yeah Yeah, that makes sense um this album name obviously it's Mm -hmm. named after the song uh it would be such a good name for an album if this song wasn't on the album, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Like, if they never had a song called called It's Only Rock and Roll, um, yeah. I think it'd be a really, really good name for an album. I agree with you that it would be a better name if the song like wasn't called that, but we'll get into it a little bit here. I really like this song, so I do not have a problem with it being... I guess used twice, but I agree with you that it's a cooler name. Yeah, I if it's just, I'm the not album saying name. it's a bad name. I just think it would be like, it'd be a better name. Yeah, like a lot better. Yeah, it'd be cuter. You know? Um, it's only rock and yeah. roll. And then, oh, sorry, I was gonna say about the album cover, and then got way off track. Oh, sorry, it was painted by a guy named Guy Pilart. Pilart. I don't know. He's Belgian. It's a weird. Yeah, name. nobody cares about those Belgians. Um, a painter who had done who was doing like at the time paintings of rock stars. And so they commissioned him to do a painting for their album cover um, of them. If you guys, if anyone hasn't seen it, they're like in a Greek kind of forum looking thing where they're like descending a staircase with a bunch of people in togas around them. And they're like supposed to be like, you know, these deity type people walking down the stairs. And then I think technically I'd never looked at it this closely, but it's all women and like, girls around them um hell which, yeah if you wanted to get on the nose in 1974 about being in a rock band <laughs> um <laughs> there's a lot of things on their nose about and being then in a rock band in 1974 yeah <laughs> yeah that's right so um yeah so that's that uh he's maybe more famous for guy Piart pilert um for doing the diamond dogs cover which okay he yeah, so they were trying to get him to not do another album cover. Like, they wanted to sign an exclusive whatever contract with him for a year or two. Yeah. He said no. Immediately did the Diamond Dogs cover, and then Diamond Dogs came out, like, three months before oh, It's shit. Only Rock and Roll, which is really funny. That is funny. Yeah. And the Diamond Dogs And Diamond Dogs cool. is much cooler. Yeah. 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 It's much crazier. Which, if people don't know that, it's a gatefold where the front part you see is it just looks like david bowie's lying down and then when you fold out the gatefold his back half is like a dog yeah and it's It's a pretty it's a cool cover yeah the inside of that album that album's pretty i had that one on vinyl and that's a 
pretty batshit like presentation. Oh, I bet. The inside's like this whole apocalyptic, you know, painting of whatever the setting of the album was. That's awesome. So, yeah. Do you want to, uh, PJ? Yeah. You want to take a quick break and come back for the track by track? Is it is it time already? I think it's time already. All right. We'll be Let's do it. We'll be right back. I thought it'd be funny to take a break to this song. It kind of sounds like hold music at the beginning. And welcome back to the Rolling Stone Studs. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. Uh, no, Peter. no, no. No, no, no. That's my Mick oh. Jagger impression. It oh, it's my very good. really badly, actually. <laughs> um, we're talking about I, it's only rock and roll. You know, I, but I like it, you know. Yeah, I, I, do, I do have to say at the end of the day, I like it. I am interested that, according at least to Wikipedia, the way this album's title is stylized is rock apostrophe N roll. Yes. I guess I thought generally rock and roll was stylized as rock apostrophe N apostrophe roll. Like N was in the middle with an apostrophe on either side. But now I feel like a crazy person. Or that's was how, it no, that's Stones, how it is on my people. Spotify. Oh, as N on both sides? Yeah, it's uh, maybe not on the Interesting. song. Because, well, at the very, like, I mean, Wikipedia, as we know, is unreliable oh, at Wikipedia. best sometimes. Yeah, I'm looking at Spotify, but, and that's how it is. But whoever wrote this Wikipedia page was consistent the entire time with doing it with just the one apostrophe. They so. probably got sick of typing it out and had a, you know. And honestly, command the one apostrophe, situation. though, I think looks better. The two apostrophes is shit. I always type it out as either just and or an ampersand oh personally. i always say rock and i think the ends yeah. suck i agree i think it's uh stupid very uh boomery yeah well it's only rock and roll what can yeah. you do uh so came out in october of 1974 a little a halloween album octm um yeah, that's right uh and it went to number one in the u.s and number two in the UK, I think, continuing their run. I, I forget exactly how far. Oh, Goat's Head Soup went number one both. I don't think, yeah, they've, they've been doing. You know what? These Rolling Stones, they've been doing pretty good for a while. Doing PJ. pretty good for themselves. <laughs> Pete, before- the, the lead single was, obviously, it's only rock and roll, parentheses, but I like it, and parentheses. Uh, did, they only need the, went- did they need the parenthetical? Honestly, yes. I really like the parentheses. <laughs> the but I like it part makes the title for me. Okay. Um, it went to only number 16 in the US and barely cracked the top 10 at number 10 in the UK. 
which I'm okay. very surprised by because I feel like this is one of those that you hear as much as any other Stone song on the radio. I would say more nowadays. Yeah. I would say this is the most played Rolling Stone song on like classic rock radio right now. It also feels like a Rolling Stone song that is all over like the grocery store or like the mall playlist, yes. you know, like those kinds of in-store playlists. Right. Uh, like this is the number one Rolling Stone song to be on there. I feel like you so. walk into a bagel shop and this is playing like, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. You're shopping for a sweater. Yeah. And you're hearing it's only rock and roll. You're down at the sex shop that has those weird booths in yeah. the back that you can watch pornography on. But also I think mm-hmm. people have sex back there. This song's on. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the track by track. Let's get into, so, well, actually before, oh, please. uh, during, during the, uh, the break, we talked about, oh yeah, how you, you wanted to make a prediction that you did not want me to confirm nor deny. And I said, well, let's do that on microphone, Peter. My prediction, and I I want you to try and keep a blank face because I think I'm right, but I don't want to. I think we are going to be a full four rating points off from each other on this album, whichever direction. But like, say one of us rates a five, one of us rates a nine, one of us rates a one, one of us rates a four. So keeping my face completely unemotive the whole time, four is just a lot in general. Yeah. I think we're going to be really far apart on this. Okay. Okay. Like, like beggars banquet far apart. That is interesting to me. That <laughs> I forget. That... I think that one might have been a four to an eight, actually. Could be. So, I anyway, guess we'll, f- we'll find out. Let's get into First the track song. by track. If you can't rock me, it's like a two rock, two songs with rock. And the Stones. It's so confusing. Hey, speaking of Bowie, I kind of feel like he's doing a little bit of a Bowie vocal here. You know, I. That's what I was. Every time this came on i was like he sounds different and i can't put my finger on it but it was the last yeah. listen where i was like he's kind of doing a bowie thing yeah and this song in general feels a little bit like gene genie like one yeah. of the david bowie like more straight up rock songs yeah um, well and like especially yeah. of the era like yes definitely yeah. that era bowie um i i love this song i gotta say i think it's very fun i like the energy it's like definitely very bass rolling stones by which i mean it's exactly what you expect from them exactly but it's done i would say to perfection and his vocal especially is really good on this track see i i also think this is a very generic rolling stone song but i do like it i gotta say it's only rock and roll but i like it it's very fun to listen to um keith is on bass by the way on this song yeah, what's up with... Oh, Keith is on bass. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes and Jagger... he's killing it, and he even gets a little bass solo in during the breakdown. Right here. Fuzz bass. Oh, yeah. A little wah guitar. Like, it's... I like this, man. I think it's, it's a good groovy. song. I yeah. do like it. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Mick plays the guitar sometimes like in videos and stuff is he ever credited for that no that's interesting i don't know because he oh yeah speaking of it's only rock and roll apparently during that um like jam session he was playing rhythm guitar 
and we I think we've heard of him playing guitar on other songs, but yeah, he's I think he's almost never the credited devil. on like yeah. the album credits. Maybe yeah. he's just not good enough to be on the studio track. It seems like he does a lot of rhythm track kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, on this album, he's credited with acoustic guitar on Till the Next Goodbye and electric guitar on Fingerprint File. Okay. That's so, very interesting. Yeah, but I do feel like I don't see him credited often. Even if it says he played it. Yeah. yeah. Alright, next song. Ain't oh, wait, real quick. Oh, oh. I just want to... Speaking of Wikipedia, this is solid gold. The first line of the Wikipedia article for If You Can't Rock Me is, The lyrics play off the dual meaning of the word rock, referring both to rock and roll music and to sex. That's... V- In case you hadn't figured it out, PJ. Oh, shit. I know. Oh, fuck. It's... I'm- it, I just thought it was only about rock and roll music, and I was like, this is already an incredible song, but then once I learned they were actually talking about About fucking? Yeah. Don't even... My mind was fucking blown, man. Okay, well... Sorry. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good note. Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Great piano. A very disappointing drum intro from a song that has an amazing drum intro. Interesting. Um, Billy Preston is credited with playing piano and clavinet on this song. Cool. Yeah. He's doing all of it. Um, I love the intro to this song, and I love this whole song. I think it's I wish really fantastic. I wish the drum fill would have been the same as the Temptations. Um, yeah. Like, I wish it would have been a little bit more, like, ripping going in there. But it was just kind of eh. Um, I do like this song, though. Um, I think yeah. they do enough of their own thing to make it good. Like, to where it sounds That's, like a Stone yeah. song. That's what I was going to say about, like, I'm kind of glad they, they didn't do, like, any of the Temptations stuff. Because to me, it seems like they learned all of their lessons from their 60s soul covers. Yeah by like this song if you didn't know the temptations version sounds like it could just be written by the stones to me yeah no like it's I, definitely I, an I, r&b styled song but it totally just sounds like the stones i just want that drum fill that's the only note yeah. i have yeah. otherwise i think this is the best r&b cover they've done so far by far and it's the best r&b song in general because they wrote a couple i think on like sticky fingers yeah. and um, Goat said soup maybe. It is their best. This is R&B definitely song. the best R and B song. Yes, yeah. agreed. It, and especially since they throw this solo in there. Yeah. Not that it's like an amazing solo, but like the fact that they like got this one is in the kind of stuff that it makes it feel like a Stone song. Exactly. Than, yeah. Having a very choppy kind of sounds like maybe a Keith solo, but it's yeah. I would guess that's not a mix. It's not that smooth. I do, but surprisingly, and I think this might shock everybody, we both like this song. I thought you would hate it. Oh, no, this is fantastic. I actually will say I, like, didn't really recognize it as the Temptation song uh, the first couple times I listened to it. Interesting. Because it's, like, such a different vibe, I feel like. I think I've played this on my former radio show before. Probably. This version? Yeah. Or the Temptations? Okay. No, this version, yeah. All right, the title track, It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it. This is one of those Stones classics that I have heard a million times, yeah. but I have never actually listened to. 
Like I've never sat down with in the car or on headphones and heard it from beginning to end at all. You know? So for me, um, it's kind of that thing that you've explained where you've just heard it so many times it's hard to look for you to look at it objectively. That is the first time with the Stones it's happened to me with this song. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, like I said, with this one, it's just it's always just been on in the background or like in snippets in a way where hearing it in full felt like a pretty new song aside from the chorus, I guess. The, the backing guitar, or like those fills and stuff are really good. Yeah, I really... I really, really like this song. I was kind of surprised. I thought it was going to be lamer just based on, you know, hearing it in Trader Joe's. But yeah, I like the acoustic guitar and the slide guitar in the intro. And then this song has that like loping kind of rhythm to it that we talked about at the very beginning of the show where they're like very ramshackly like playing off of each other. Like, there's a couple fills in this song where it sounds like they're all off time, and then they, like, snap it back together, and it's it's really cool to listen to. I don't think it's a bad song. I just, like, can't see it for more than that song yeah. that, you know, yeah. plays while I'm buying Frozen Peas. I can't, I can't blame you, but I, I love this. On, and again, a great Mick vocal. I like all Very of his weird inside yeah. yai stuff. Yeah. I don't love when he like whispers. Oh, yeah. But that's always <laughs> well, done. Yeah. I uh also the lyrics are like surprisingly more interesting than I was expecting. Like it's about, For a song called It's Only Rock and Roll, but I like it. Right, right. Like it's I mean, you know, it's not deep in any way, but it at least plays against expectation a bit by in the chorus or the verses. He's like wanted to commit suicide and yeah, being like, is this what you want for me to kill myself on stage? And it's, it's just interesting enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's no if you can't rock me lyrically. Exactly. So. I mean, <laughs> that song is about rock and roll. It's at least more advanced than sex. that. Yeah. Is this one also about rock and roll and sex? They say rock in this one too. Every, you know what, PJ? Every single Rolling Stones song. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um. So apparently they also filmed a music video for this song. It is wild as shit. You should definitely, at least on mute, watch part of it. They're all in a like circus tent looking thing, wearing sailor suits for no reason at all, except that they found matching sailor suits. I guess. Yeah. They just um, found those at the at the thrifty. And as they play the song, the tent fills with bubbles. Like, like uh, you know, bubble bath bubbles. Oh, God. Mick is being so Mick in this video. Yes. With the, like... Um, apparently, Keith said that Charlie almost drowned in the bubbles because they forgot that since he was sitting down, he was, like, when they filled up the bubbles at the end. Yeah. Because they get pretty high, and I think they're coming in from the back where he's sitting. Yeah. It's no good. I mean, they're up to, like, their necks, so... it's Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, do you Char- think you Charlie... You can tell Charlie's drowning in bubbles. If you do you think Charlie and- forgot that they weren't actually playing the song live? He's like, it's a loop track. Like, you can stand up, man. <laughs> like, yeah. no one... You're not actually playing the drums for this video. If you go to, like, four minutes and, like, 17 seconds... 
on yeah. this video. You can see his hair wet, and you can see him like, like struggling oh to breathe. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, there you go. I guess anything for art, huh? Oh yeah, and what a, what an incredible video it is. Four four thirty two. You can see him like, yeah, needing to be. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ, that's it's hilarious. uh, it's possibly the laziest music video I have ever seen. It's, it's not ac- good. It's incredibly bad. Yeah. All right. It feels like they made it in their backyard, except they're rich people. So really, it feels like it's a bunch of high schoolers who made it in their backyard. Right. It makes no sense that they no. would do this at all. This is like some idea of indie band would have now, but they would pull it off better. Right. It would have better production values. Yeah. All right. Till the next goodbye. Which is what I say to you at the end of every episode, Peter. That's right. We're just counting down the goodbyes until we're done with, until we can say the final goodbye to the Rolling Stones. On that someday. Really weird album they made a few years ago. So this song is fine, and then when it kicks in, I think it gets real good with the chorus here. I'll wait to say my thoughts on this. No fancy no fancy feast wow. is what I thought he was gonna say every time. Just a little cat. <laughs> Till the next time we say goodbye. I love that guitar though. Yeah. It's very wild. All the guitar on this is really good, I would say. say so I think this is him playing the acoustic guitar here, Mick. Yeah. Till the next time we say goodbye. And the piano man, like, so good there. Yeah, it's really good when it kicks in. I mean, I like this song in general, but I love it falling in there. See, every time, I didn't, I didn't love it, um, the beginning part, any of the times I listened to it. But when it kicks in, that drum fill is so perfect, and then they have this like these. guitar fills in there and it like yeah. gets really good yeah yeah this song i really like this song i think honestly this is maybe i i don't know if it's quite on like the angie sweet virginia level obviously no. but it's like enough like that that yeah i think it's a really good stones it, ballad it reminds me of a led zeppelin song which we'll actually talk about this episode a little bit later uh it reminds yeah. me of tangerine a little bit oh huh. yeah but I mean, it is very beautiful, and I like the kind of country-ish chorus. But yeah, it's pretty yeah, good. Uh, a I much better intro, song about but... yeah, a much better song about cheating than "Don't You Bother Me." They oh, really yeah. came far. <laughs> They've grown a lot. All right, time waits for no one. Once again. A terrible intro, but then once it clicks, once it kicks in, it's really fucking good. I I would agree. I, this is kind of the same thoughts I have from the last song. Like this just sounds like hold music. Yeah. And then once the bass kicks in, it's so great. And then from here on out, man, this yeah. is that one of the better songs that, like, we've heard in the last. Yeah. yeah. The bass and the arpeggiated guitar like yeah. sound really good together at the beginning there. It's so great. Yeah, stop 
And they're using like oh, a synthesizer or something? Yeah, that's Bill on the synthesizer. Of all things. See, I really like the chorus. I don't even love it that much when it like kicks in. Like it kicks in and it's really good, and then to me it gets kind of immediately boring again until the chorus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Overall, I didn't love it. Interesting. It's uh oh, this is my favorite lyric on the album. Oh. Time can destroy a woman's face. Oh no. Oh. Not a woman, no, oh. not a woman's face. Time, please, time. Her most valuable Have asset. mercy. <laughs> well, PJ, come on, that's, I think we know it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's those feet. Yeah. Don't talk to me about feet right now, Peter. Uh, I, I just don't love this as a full song, honestly. Oh man, but then we get into the Mick Taylor guitar solo here. And it's really, it gets good. really good. See, I, I like sections of this song, but I don't love it as like a song, and it's like seven minutes long. Interesting. I I love this. I love. I also like the drums where Charlie's doing like the. I don't know what you call it, but where he just clicks the side of the snare and stuff. Like, it's good shit. Yeah. I everything about this song is is for me apparently. Apparently. Um, the next song is Luxury. Oh, wait, get, get a little oh. bit into the guitar solo. Because he, like, he really wails away at the end. Okay, here. okay. I apologize. Sorry. You can skip if you want. But... No, it's fine. I don't know when the solo is, really. So. I would say, so this is the la- the end of the first side. Good, really good first half so it, far. It's Like, very half. strong. This is a good song to put on either the end of the A side or the end of the B yeah. side. Yeah. Agree. Alright, I'm going to skip to the solo. It's kind of like Jerry Garcia, yeah, in yeah. like a good way. Yes, yeah, he's like Mick. Mick is a talented man. That's all I can say. Like he, yeah. I feel like every album we get a little more like new depth to his guitar solos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. All right, all right, that's probably enough of that. Luxury. Boy, at first I fucking hated this song, and then I fucking loved it. <laughs> I like this. Song. I like the guitar tone quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Like it, it sounds like it's recorded in like some cupboard somewhere. I see. That's the first thing I heard was a guitar tone, and I was like, Yeah, I'm about this song. Peter, you told me something interesting about this song earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That I just don't... I don't know about. So, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Okay. First off, I do want to say, 
this has to have been written during the goats at soup sessions right like oh, there's yeah. no way this wasn't written while they were in jamaica and i even feel like i know exactly where it came from which is they were recording and one of the like engineers was like a local guy and they just overheard him complaining about like oh, i gotta keep working for the wife and keep her she wants to be kept in the luxury like just weird like a weird guy like ranting about this and they were like that's so funny we should write a song about it yeah. and mimic his voice in a questionable sort of way yeah like, i fully i think you're right but aside from that one little thing of them going d i really like this song like it is fantastic i think this guitar solo is really good too yeah Um, and um, again, Mick's voice is killing. Like he is just doing a great job. Th- this whole album is good. Yeah, like he sounds invested, and like he's he's uh, his vocal takes are very very good. Yeah, I agree. Um, this song also made me think of another very famous white English rock band doing a Jamaican inspired, let's say, song. Uh, which is after, wh- when I was listening to this this week, I had to go put on Gyre Maker at some point, just to compare. Which And I, one of them is definitely more reggae than the other, but... Yeah, I... But one I, of them I has less white person mimicking from. a black person's voice, so... That's what are you gonna true. do? <laughs> see, I... I can see where you made that connection. I just yeah. personally never in my entire life would have done that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, this, it also made me think of the steely dan song haitian divorce where it's haiti but they do a similar it's a similar island vibe thing and at some point he goes like to rum and to coconut or yeah (laughs) some racist shit yeah so um yeah it's always it's always fun this is a good song song. it is a good song it's a jam um I'm going to go to the next one, which is Dance Little Sister. Um, absolutely nothing special about this song, but it's very good. It's a good song. It's a stone song. Like it's a it's a perfect filler track as the seventh on the album. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I do like in that first uh, that first like opening bit how it, it sounds like he gets off time a little bit and then corrects it. Oh yeah, it goes dance little sister. Like he yeah. does it weird. And every time I was like, yeah, I like that. That's shit. awesome. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I like that. I, uh, yeah, this is one of those that, like, you're never going to single it out to put yeah. on a playlist, but you won't skip it ever either, so. This sounds like one of their more modern songs, too. Like, this sounds like it could yeah, come bit. out in, like, 98, you know? Uh, because they stopped making songs except for this kind of song past 1990? Is that Pretty what much. you mean? Pretty much, yeah, that's... yeah. Like, what? Oh, yeah, So Young was their, like, single from, like, 2017 or something that was, yeah. like, supposed to be a big deal because it was... But it's, it's just this song. It's this song, yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is a generic Stone song again, but there's nothing wrong with that yet at this point in their career. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's just a fun, upbeat, 
groovy tune. Yeah. Um, if you really want to be my friend, you gotta be my lover. If I think. Oh no, never mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy Preston's playing the organ on this track. This song to me sounds like it could have been off one of their first couple of albums. Yeah, I was thinking the same in terms thing. of the songwriting style, but then the production and like delivery it definitely feels like modern stones. So I like it quite a bit. It sounds amazing. Like the production yeah, is does. really good on it. It really is, and it's like, yeah. It's kind of like Dance Little Sister. I don't think I'd ever single this out as like a favorite song, but it's really good. It's a very good song. I really like their like, I don't know, their songs that have this same, I can't explain it, so I'm just gonna say vibe. Like, sure. I think I kind of know, I think I know what yeah. you mean. Like this one and uh, Time Waits for No One, to me kind of have the same vibe. Sure. And I, I, I like this song. Maybe. I might, I might Torn like the song frayed? more than Time Waits for No One. Yeah. What were you saying? I was going to say, I feel like maybe we could throw Torn and Frayed in there, too. Yeah. Off Exile? Yeah. Like, it's like they're ballads that aren't the, like, out-of-the-park ones, but they're still really good in, like, this slightly yeah. different way, I guess. Yeah. In a way where, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I don't know how to, like, describe that. Right. It's just they have the same kind of thing going on. Yeah. I do think the organ helps this a lot. I mean, yeah. The wow. organ is really good on this. I and mean, the backing vocals are really good, too. Oh, anytime you get Billy Preston on a fucking song, it's going to be good. Billy Preston's yeah. the man. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the backing vocals are really good as well. You're right. This is one of those that maybe we were talking about them self-producing. Like, this feels like one that on Goat's Head Soup, I forget the specific song, but this is one that I feel like it would have been way too schlocky and 70s easy. But since yeah. they produced it, it's just straight up, and exactly. it sounds much nicer. Yeah. yeah, I the production you do see an increase in production from the last album on this. Like definitely, the only definitely thing, right about that. yeah, literally the only thing, and this was a complaint on Goat's Head Soup too, is I love their horns in this era, and I wish there was more. like almost all these songs could have had a couple horn lines, and like it would yeah. have been really good. Fucking get Bobby would have back lot, in there, man. Yeah, for real. Uh, all right. Short and Curly's. Who's playing that piano? Ian Stewart making a ringer yeah. appearance. Yeah. It's good. He's good. He should have been in the fucking band. Every yeah. time he's on there, I'm like, yeah. And that slide guitar, too. Yes, I, similar to Luxury, I hated this song the first few times, and then the slide guitar got me, and then I stopped caring that the lyrics were kind of stupid. So. Oh, the lyrics are so dumb. This is my favorite song on the album. Really? That's yeah. very interesting. I mean, I definitely like it. The melody is great. Um, oh, fucking that. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's, it is really good. Yeah. And, you know, the lyrics are obviously dumb, but by, like, the 15th listen, I was like, all right, you got me. It's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, at this point, <laughs> right. At this point, I just know that they're going to be dumb, and I just, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's tearing it up on this song. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I uh, I wonder if we have a good lead on who's playing slide and who's playing. It's Mick Taylor. I would assume it's Mick. Yeah. It's good. That's how you know. Like it's. <laughs> but it's not clear from what I'm looking at here. It's Mick Taylor. Oh, I really like this song. The drums on everything about it is good. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's a forum post. Does anyone know who plays the two lead guitar parts? There's the slide guitar and the more upfront lead in the other channel. I figured Taylor plays the slide part, but does he do the other as well? I thought Keith might play the other one, but it doesn't sound like his style. Mick only plays slide in the beginning. The other guitars are played by Keith and one of Keith's finest moments, according to me. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know about that. It says Taylor's slide goes on throughout the song as well, but it's not as audible. But that still might be what we're hearing. I'm kind of confused. When is that post from? Because this is, it was remastered in 2009. 2018? What the fuck? No, that slide has to be Mick. I don't care what anybody says. But, like, who are these people and where are they pulling this information from? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? gosh darn asses. Yeah, because, like, if the first thing when I Google is just that forum post, then, like, where are they? How do exactly. they Exactly, yeah. Anyway. They don't. Um, the next Fingerprint song, file. Fingerprint file. I love Fingerprint File was one of the best detective shows of the 70s, man. It's just such a good, you know, starring Telly Savalas <laughs> as Detective Fingerprint. And this was the, and this was the theme. theme song, man. Yeah. <laughs> that wah pedal is so dumb, but I kind of yeah, love the, it also. What the fuck is this song? But also, it's kind of amazing. I don't it's, know what to feel about really it. It's really cool, but shouldn't be on this album. No, it sure. feels like this is like a weird disco era Stones cut to me. Yeah. Like it feels, I mean, I know 74 were definitely into like this kind of funk uh, music with the wah pedal and like I mean it's not out of its time it just doesn't seem like the stones should be here right now no kind of yeah it's very weird um apparently Mick is playing the rhythm guitar through a phase pedal okay. little Mick is playing the bass line Bill is playing synthesizer and then Billy Preston is on clavinet oh they all just did one to the right yeah yeah exactly yeah. They all, PJ, they all put a tab of acid between their eyes and then swapped instruments. Yeah. <laughs> Fun old time at the studio. Oh, they love it. Um, yeah, this song is a good song, I think, but it definitely love that should part. not be on this album. This should have been like a single that came out three years after this. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very weird, but... I feel like already from Goat's Head Soup with the couple of Billy Preston tracks that were more funk influenced than this one, like, I really want, like, a weird seven, like, funk album from the Stones, and I wonder if we'll get it. It might might happen, but... I would, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this song took me a while to kind of get, especially as the last song and being longer, it's, you know, hard to finish off the album on, but... 
parts of it I really like. I don't know in general whether I think it's that amazing, but mm -hmm. it's very interesting. Oh, that bass is good. Yeah, man. In the little waka waka. Who's the man on the call? This is like and then when this part I don't get it. Call, no. This is like when people talk about porn music. I, I don't that, yes. Yeah. Well, you better lay low. <laughs> I wonder who this is talking. It doesn't really sound like Mick to me, but maybe it is. No, he's, he's just talking really low. Honestly, that like that thing when you like whisper in the middle of a song and like just say some cool stuff kind of only yeah. works when it's like Isaac Hayes or right you know um, Clarence Carter or somebody you know yeah the bass on this is good yeah it is well that's it's only rock and roll and you know what it's not only rock and roll no there's a little bit so of funk they definitely in there. lied to us yeah there's a little bit of funk especially here on fingerprint file and i feel lied to i do too or maybe they were just taking the piss oh they would say they got the us piss. they got us that's yeah. mick's favorite thing is to take the piss out people do you uh who wants to go first pj you had that. I'm not gonna suggest rock paper scissors because that was a disaster last time. It, it was like eight times in a row. Um, I'll go first because you had your prediction. Um, oh sure. I okay yeah. I'm going to give it a seven because okay. There's not many songs on it that I thought were bad, but I just didn't think the songs I liked were like of an exceptional quality. I thought they were like okay. good. It's a good album. It's a little bit better yeah. than good. It's a seven. I think seven's, yeah. Interesting. A yeah. Decent rating. I, this album weirdly made me like wonder about Goat's Head Soup because I feel like Goat's Head Soup I went into really wanting to like, and then it kind of ended up being a rough album to get into. Kind of like, as yeah. we talked about, it was all over the place and stuff, but I liked a lot of the songs individually. But then this album won me over immediately. Like the <laughs> whole first side, I immediately really, really liked. And then on the back half, really only like the last three, maybe kind of took me a while to get into. But yeah, otherwise, like and I just had fun listening to this album. It's very upbeat compared to uh, some of their more recent stuff. Um, like there's only two slower songs. Yeah. Very upbeat and like it's definitely more energetic than Goat's Head Soup was. Um, oh, by a lot. Which is yeah. nice to listen to. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just had a lot of fucking fun and it made me be like, this feels a lot better than Goat's Head Soup, but I don't think it's that great still. Yeah. So like, I think to me, this is an eight out of 10 Rolling Stones album. Yeah, um, okay. And I I thought you were gonna hate it. I don't know why exactly, but no, I just yeah. thought it was fine. Yeah, it didn't like blow my mind, but it wasn't like a and bad album. And you know what? Last week, album. 
Well, similar to last. Okay, so last week I said six or seven, and you talked me into a seven. And on this one, I was kind of almost thinking nine. Just you gave I liked Exile it so much. a nine. I know, but then it's like, can I really do that? But then Exile was like a third bad. So what are you gonna I, do? I wholeheartedly disagree. Or I should say a third boring. So how I'm gonna do this though is I'm just gonna go ahead and go back and put a six for Goat's Head Soup. Because this is better than one point better than Goat's Head Soup, but this is not a nine out of ten. Okay. So that means Goat's Head Soup has to be lower. Even though like some of the tracks on Goat's Head Soup are amazing, but as an album. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is an this is an solid eight out of ten to me. And like I know whatever technically they're like Golden Era ended a couple albums ago, but listening through it to the first time, it was like a bit of a stumble on goat's head and then it seems like they're just still right there to me on it's only rock and roll it it kind of depends on who you talk to because some people think their golden age is still all the way through like tattoo you and like interesting yeah a lot of people say it drops off at like voodoo lounge and everything before that is their like golden era it's still great yeah well we'll see how i feel you know just coming in with the preconceived notions i guess that i had about their career i'm surprised that i'm still loving these albums and hoping that that doesn't stop although if we're just talking about album covers, the next one's maybe the worst in the history of music. So I don't know how to get into an album with a cover that bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's garbage. It looks like the cover for a VHS aerobic tape, man. <laughs> uh, they, d- I think they have worse album covers. I mean, possible. That's oh, really? Okay, which one? Which one? Which one? I think Voodoo Lounge is a bad album cover i don't know why i have always hated the voodoo lounge cover oh also, black and blue i was thinking of something else maybe i was thinking voodoo or black and blue was their full bodies not their faces oh no i don't hate black and blue quite as much as i thought i was thinking it was all of them like standing there on the blue background for some reason uh oh i really dirty like work. the voodoo what am i thinking of dirty work I really like the Voodoo Lounge album cover, actually. I, I have always hated it for some reason. I okay, think you're which, thinking of sorry, which, Dirty Work. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, I am thinking of Dirty Work, actually. I, in my head, confused that with Black and Blue. Dirty Work is the terrible one. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. But that's from way later, right? It's 86. Yeah. yeah. So 10 years. Yeah, Dirty Work is hot garbage and does look like the cover in aerobics. Oh, tape. fully. Yeah, I do like that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, his shirt is open that's cool um well Pete yeah we'll see it you know what PJ this won't be our last goodbye you know what we have many more times to say goodbye till the next goodbye that's right we have been the Beach Boys Boys presents the Rolling Stone Studs thanks for rolling along and Pete you know where I'm gonna see you What's that? The other side of that wave.
You think the Beach Boys ever gave Mike shit for having the same name as all their equipment? Hey, uh, I, my mic's broken. Am I right? You can't sing today. Hey, uh, hey.